If you're hearing us on an Android device and you've been asked to babysit your younger sibling for the umpteenth weekend and need a way to escape, check out the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. Thousands of great reviews, none of which I am aware are from the Goblin King or his minions. However, not to say that his word is any less valid than others. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, although I feel like the Goblin King is, you know, giving you a one just just for, you know, amusing himself. Check out the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the mega podcasting powers. And with me, as always, is a man who I, much like Jennifer Connelly, once tried to give away, not to the Goblin King, but to Donald Duck in Walt Disney World, the Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano. That's right. I forgot about that. Documented. It's on video. I tried to give you away to Donald Duck. I was like, you can keep him. I don't really want this little brother anymore. I'm sick of it. It's uh, been six months. And, uh, <laughs> that seems like long enough. I'm okay. I have tired of this. I prefer more attention, not less. Uh, so you can have him, Mr. Duck. Uh, anyway, we're heading into June. All sorts of uh, celebrations of anniversaries for this summer on the podcast. And uh, it's also Pride Month. So Pride I feel month. like D- David Bowie's androgynous sex That's, media. Yeah, I, I wanted to do very, this for Pride. <laughs> Very much in in line with that. We watched Labyrinth, so you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your babe. Something's gonna be about your babe. What babe? The babe with the power. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Great Scott. Cream of the crop. Oh, yeah. So, uh, important question, I think, to start off with. When did you first see Labyrinth? Definitely as a kid, I feel like. Yeah. I, don't I have a very vivid memory for once of the first time I saw this movie, oh, and I don't it. know if you were there or not. That's why I'm curious. It's possible. I don't, I don't have a vivid first time memory. Uh, but okay. I do remember really like like this was definitely my jam as a kid. Sure, I watched it for the first time as a kid. We were I was over a neighbor's house, and for some this is such an odd thing, but it's such a vivid memory that I think I'm not making it up. I went with a friend, a neighbor across the street, friend, while their family went to visit some family friends who were like close but not super far away. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, sort of a whatever. So the adults were hanging out. And like I an hour being in drive the kind of thing. Yeah, probably in that ballpark. And I remember going with them and watching this in the back or in the basement of, of this person's house and being like kind of mystified by it, but also definitely having a huge crush on Jennifer Connelly. Cause I think I was like 10, 12, which is peak for that. And the, uh, so we watched this movie and I remember enjoying it. And I, like I said, huge question, Jennifer Connelly. And then my, the other part, the reason why this sticks in my mind is they had either a Volvo or a Saab where the back seat could fold down. And they like had a bunch of uh, sleeping bags that they rolled out on it. And I remember us laying down in that while we drove home. Cause it was really late and like hmm. falling asleep in this weird makeshift trunk That's bed cool. thing of the car. Yeah. And it, it seems highly dangerous. It seems like something who, someone who lived in the eighties would talk about, not someone who was doing this in 1997 or later. Yeah. So I don't know why this is in my head and maybe I completely made all of it up. But anyway, that's my memory uh, of doing this with, with them. So uh, I, I just really remember it. It sticks in your head when you when you have an odd experience like that. Yeah. 
Also, I just want to uh, vindicate myself. Uh, oh, back vindicate myself. This filmed next door to Legend. Oh, really? Yes. So all of my jokes about Ridley Scott seeing Jennifer Connelly, <laughs> maybe not so crazy. Yeah, maybe not so crazy. Although same, same, they were filming at the same time. That's what it, it said. Legend it filmed next door okay. to Legend. Legend just came out first. Okay. And there, and there's a CG owl in this movie, which also says there were CG cre- They could, there was some kind of CG technology in the eighties. Yes, I was going to say I did big trouble. Yeah, Re- yes, big trouble. And also, uh, we know there was a CG character in uh, Sherlock Holmes, young Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, previous episode. Uh, I kind of like the CG owl. Like it looks claymated instead of it, l- of it looks wonky in a realistic, not a creepy way. Right. Wonky in a purposeful way, I guess, yes. is how I would describe it. And I'm always happy to listen to a Bowie track. So this is one of the few times when I'm not like, all right, let me fast forward to when the movie starts. Yeah. So that's the interesting thing about this movie is that it's I like it as a Bowie album. I don't think this movie needs to be a music. Like, I think if they took all the music, almost all the musical sequences out of this movie and instead Bowie just released an album inspired by the movie Labyrinth that he was in. I would enjoy this better because the movie would be shorter and tighter and not, I don't think any of the songs drive the plot forward in a lyrical fashion. Dance magic rules. And I love that interlude, but I agree with you a hundred percent on every other song. Yeah. yeah I, and that's the thing. I don't think they're bad. Like dance magic dance is wonderful and beautiful and like goofy, kooky fun. Um, it is, it is like a sneaky, very good Bowie track. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's one of those guys. he, died not too long ago and uh, i had the same thing happen with him and prince where neither of them were people i would say i was a huge fan of in but when they when they died it's like oh i should listen to some of their music you know i like their music and then you start listening to it and you're going like oh i like a lot of this i i didn't correctly place this person in my personal pantheon of music that i liked Mm -hmm. not that either one would have been somebody that i liked enough to probably shell out the big bucks to go see them before they had passed but with, with with bowie and with prince it's it's not only are the there's all the songs I know about, but then other songs like, oh, yeah, this is a great Prince track. I forgot he did this song or this is a great boy track. I thought he did this song. I personally really like weirdo Starman. I'm not opposed to Starman. I, I like that era of Bowie, too, but I like the the weirder Bowie stuff. I love like Ground Control to Major Tom is a totally bizarre. It makes like it's nonsensical in mm-hmm. what it is. But, you know, I kind of like that stuff. But I like his pop stuff most. And and Dance Magic is a pop song through and through. And it's just a really I good agree. pop song. So that's where I, I like him the most. Personally, I, I think he makes all sorts of different types of music that are all very good. But that's where my personal preferences lie. So I, like Dance Magic fires up and I'm like, oh, yeah this song rules it's, like it's, this it's is a, a really song. good song yeah the rest of them i'm like yeah the the part where he's doing the mc escher thing and singing with with jennifer connelly later in the movie i'm kind of like yeah i don't really love this song like, it's it's not bad it's not oh this is offensive to my ears it's just eh, i could do it yeah, yeah that's the thing. i don't think any of the songs are that but i think because none of the songs are plot necessary they just kind of like pause the movie for a second and it's fine like i don't think I don't think they're like should never have been recorded, but I think for movie purposes, it's a f- it's an hour forty, and it could ease, and it's it starts to drag a little bit in the the last act, like it starts to just kind of be like check your watch just a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally. I, I think this movie should be ninety minutes, and the two songs get you, two cutting those other two songs gets you almost there. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm with you. Uh, 
So we've got Jennifer Connelly doing Shakespearean-ish, I would say. She's LARPing. Don't you agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the, the line she's reading in The Labyrinth, it feels like diet Shakespeare to me. Yeah, it feels like I would compare it to like a Game of Thronesy book. Mm-hmm. Where it's it's oldie, but it's not it's mm-hmm. old with an E. Yes, but it's yes. Ye old. Ye old, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll, we should, of course, say, uh, I don't think anybody listening to this is unaware, but uh, Jim Henson directed this. Last mm-hmm. His thing first he really directed. directed, I think. Right. And really the end of the line for him, this doesn't do well. It sort of cascades. He gets sick and everything kind of falls apart shortly in, in short order from, from Labyrinth. I'm not saying Labyrinth killed well, Jim Henson, did. but somebody could well, great say Muppet Caper, I th- or one of the Muppet movies, the movie, the Muppet movie that he directed was after this, as far as he I did- know. Okay. I thought he directed, he didn't direct the first one then. I don't. Th- I I I was under the impression that this was his first theatrical directing thing. Interesting. Okay, I'm but I could be incorrect. I believe this is the the last, not the first. Because I'm trying to remember which one Frank Oz directed. Oz is Muppet Caper. Great, I do, but I'm I'm checking right now. Say, I I feel like I did this research leading up to it. So I, when you were saying I was against, I was like, all right, maybe I forgot, but. Um, yeah, so Muppet Caper is way before this then. Yeah, he directed before. original Muppets, Muppet Caper, and yeah. this. And then Muppet and then Vision think, 3D was his last thing. Right. That's the last thing he worked on. Uh, and he has credit on a couple of post posthumous uh, video segments of things. But yeah, he. I think that's just re-airing old footage. If they ever close Muppet, uh, Muppet Vision 3D, I hope they sell it as a 3D movie. You would think that would be a no-brainer uh, oh, if yeah. they did that. Uh, anyway, there's a, a pretty, uh, if you're really into Jim Henson, a pretty thorough d- multi-part documentary on YouTube by a YouTube guy I enjoy a lot, and I think Andrew does too, Defunct Land. I didn't I didn't finish all of the Muppet stuff, because honestly, it got a little sad town for me that I was like, ah, it's mm-hmm. mid-pandemic, it I don't need, yeah, I mean, it's a sad story, of course, but I was like, ah, I don't need to see the sad, I don't need to see the part where he's like falling apart <laughs> completely, so, but, yeah. you know, I, I, I do like him. And I went to the University of Maryland, where Jim Henson also went and started his thing. So, uh, you know, I've got the uh, the alma mater in common. So I just recently posted a picture on Twitter of me with the Jim Henson Kermit statue outside of the student center. Oh, yeah. It's like on a bench, right? Yeah, they are sitting on a bench talking to each other and you can kind of sit next to them. Uh, so head on to uh, Dissect the 80s on Twitter and check that out if you want to. Uh, so the poor dog can't come in the house. It starts raining. She runs home. The dog can't come in the house. Is this this? It just occurred to me now. Is this the same dog? Yes. the Okay, this so is it's a Wizard of Oz her situation. Dog is, is Merlin, but in in a uh, in Labyrinth Land, it's uh, Ambrosius. Uh, okay, but it's the same dog, you think? Mm-hmm. Okay, so <laughs> I really like this part. She comes in. It's clearly a stepmom, even though it's not explicitly stated. So she says and it late. She says it five seconds later, where she says, "Yeah, she's yeah, yeah. like a wicked stepmom." Yeah, she does say that, I suppose. But this this opening part where she's like. Oh, you always, you know, oh, I thought you were going to watch the baby. Oh, you always say, you know, you, you should watch Toby. It's not like you don't have any plans. And she's like, well, I'd love it if you had a date. Do you have dates? It would be good if you had them. It's like, come on, loser. Get get laid, you sad sack. I didn't think it felt quite. It felt more like, because that's what I like that Jennifer Connelly is so overdramatic that literally in the same tone, the the her stepmother says, you're an hour late, like in that yeah. tone. And Jennifer Connelly acts like she was like, you stupid piece of shit. How dare yes, you yes. get out of my house? She, she acts as though that when all she said was, you're an hour late. Like we expected you, like we were supposed to leave an hour ago. Like, right. You know, you said you were you're supposed to babysit tonight. Also, this house is huge. 
I forget how big it is because we only spent five minutes could, there. <laughs> this house could be the set of the labyrinth. Yeah, this is a labyrinth. This, there, there is a world in which this is a real Wizard of Oz situation, and she is actually just wandering through her own home and confused. <laughs> like, Bowie came and gassed her, and now she's just wandering around her own giant mansion before, well, her parents, I assume, giant mansion. So she's mad about one of her bears being missing, she, Lancelot, I'm assuming she has the other Knights of the Round Table up I'm there. I'm sure. And she goes looking for him, finds him in Toby's room. And starts doing the classic. It really is Jim Henson's Wizard of Oz, like darker, so meaner. I, I people say Wizard of Oz, but I always thought Alice in Wonderland, and like both are obviously the influences. Yeah, but it's always yeah. interesting to see which one people pick up first. Well, I think people say Wizard of Oz because later in the movie it explicitly shows a Wizard of Oz book. That's true, but she falls down rabbit hole. Like, I'd right, say there's right. a lot of. Um, that and also i guess i really i realized halfway through i not halfway like a quarter into the movie i forgot that we used a lot of labyrinth music in my high school's production of uh alice in wonderland that we oh, did okay yeah it, I, both of those are apt descriptors and, and there's a, there's some other flavors in this stew later on as well but she does you know she's holding toby and oh take me away from this place goblin king uh, goblin king wherever you may be which i quote there's that's one of the two quotes or three quotes i always say from this movie <laughs> uh yeah i i i think that jennifer Co- i mean she's 16 years old here it's a really strong performance i'm assuming influenced by her own life and feelings but it, she really nails the frustrated teenager like angsty weight of the world feels feeling. very put upon but in yes. actuality it's not much Right, right. So when an adult watches this, you're like, come on, you're like, you got no responsibilities, you got nothing. And for her, it's, you know, I I gotta watch this stupid kid. I got this baby brother that we're 15 years apart. I don't, like, we're never gonna have anything in common with. But mm-hmm. here's something I wanted to ask you. Did you feel like there were 10 different Tobys, all of varying ages? Because it's sometimes they're showing him and it looks pretty baby, babyish, unable to move. And other times he's toddling around. I feel like there's like a, like a six-month Toby, a 10-month Toby, a 14-month so- Toby, a two-year Toby. I feel like the hero Toby, we'll call it. Like, <laughs> yes, the main main Toby. Yeah, in, in, yeah. In, in film world, for anyone listening who doesn't know, the hero item prop, whatever, is the one that's the close ups. That's the good, the best version. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, like the hero Toby is probably like walking a little bit, like maybe yeah, maybe yeah. twelve to eighteen months. I I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Baby, I think it's. Talk. I think it's. I think it's on the upper end of that. I think a year and a half. But is like walking. still sleeping in a crib. Yes. But I think in a lot of the like wides, they're just like generic baby doll. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 specifically I so I went looking and I was like, what dumb internet things have taken place with this baby all grown up? Because it's a cult movie. Ever you know, a lot of people like it. It turns thirty-five this year. And I went looking and somebody interviewed him, and it turns out that he was the like a producer's son- baby or something. I think actually one of the puppet puppeteers mm. because he he is now a puppeteer and it seems likely that that's that would rad. Be a, so there's a cool video from I think he was making a short film I want to say but it was it was his birthday it was either his birthday or a labyrinth anniversary and they used the puppets from his short film to recreate dance magic where he played himself in it and they had the Aww. puppet like his all the puppeteers it was pretty rad it was it was really well done very uh, sweet. And, yeah, yeah. But this interview really cracked me up because they kept asking him these questions. And it's like, 
hey, interviewer, he was he 18 was a, months old. He was a baby. He doesn't know the answer. They're like, do you? Why was David Cod, David Bowie's codpiece soprano? Is that on purpose? And he has like an informed answer to the question. But I'm like, he doesn't know. He didn't make the movie. He was the baby. And apparently, they uh, got him to cry by just waiting until because he was very comfortable around all the puppets. Oh, okay. Because which would explain son of puppeteer. Yeah. Yeah. So he wasn't crying. So basically, they just the anything with him crying was filmed at the end of his time, uh, like you know the, oh, okay. the allotted like time you can film with a yeah, baby. ninety minutes or a bit, yeah, whatever it is. Uh, where he was like fussy and wanted a nap. Okay, so it was just that like get sense. him at the end, make him, like, yeah. get him. He'll cry at the end. We'll get that <laughs> shot. Whatever. I mean, I'll be honest with you. It's pretty good baby acting. It's great baby acting. So I, a baby Oscar goes to. And he got to Toby. hang out with David Bowie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently, the first scene he filmed with David Bowie, Bowie, he peed all over him. <laughs> David, he was in the throne and he was holding Toby, it. and it was like immediately he pissed all over David Bowie, and he said was Bowie he was a diaper. Why was he in a diaper? So because of the filming, they swapped out regular diapers, which hold a lot of liquid, for these super thin ones that are basically, like, useless. And so he um, he was telling the story. I'm sure it's been told to him. But the diapers were super thin, so he didn't have big padded diaper butt on camera, which okay. cracks me up, honestly, because it's like, it's a baby in the movie. Why? What does it matter? He should have a big diaper butt. It's a baby. Like, that's what baby butts look like. He's going down to sleep. Right. Uh, but anyway, he was wearing these very thin diapers that basically did nothing. And so when he peed, he just peed all over David Bowie's lap. And they had to go, like, switch out the costume and all that stuff. But apparently he finished the take just, like, covered in this baby's urine, I, which I, I mean, found I, impressive. I mean, it's David Bowie. I believe Yeah, it. I, it's probably not. That's I, not- I, the, fact that came from, the fact that they came from a baby is, is younger than allegedly is usual, but not, you know, perhaps... <laughs> That's not the worst thing that David David Bowie's been covered in. No, no. I mean, I, allegedly David Bowie, pretty sick dude in terms of the people he had sex with. So uh, I like the music, but a uh, lot of personal issues with him. I think, allegedly, allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. Um, at this point, there's the goblins start showing up in her house because she yes. said the magic words like "I wish the goblins would take you away." And so it's all a lot of like turn one way and when her back is turned, a, a goblin like wiggles under the sheets or something. So she keeps right, turning right. and missing it. And I was like, I wish Jim Henson had Jim Henson Studios had done a straight up horror like this. Oh, it would have been nasty. It would like be very scary. A ghoulies gremlin situation. Yes, yes. Jim Henson's Critters is 50 times the movie that Critters is. And I enjoyed Critters. Yeah. I think the closest they ever got was like The Witches, which is yeah. scary. My yeah, boyfriend w- still won't watch The Witches. My boyfriend, oh, whose the- favorite movies are The Shining and Silence of the Lambs. Like, I was like, when it gets the- you young, man, it messes with you. I was like, oh, I want to watch the original Witches. And he was like, no. And I was like, oh, why? <laughs> like, not- he was like, I-, I-, I can't watch that movie. It's too scary. And I was like, <laughs> you're 31. And excuse me? <laughs> I recently rewatched it for the first time since a child. And some of that stuff is still pretty gnarly. Angelica is. Houston is amazing. She should have gotten an Oscar for that. Movie. Like that <laughs> if is. If they gave out Oscars for that kind of movie, then absolutely, she's slam dunk. Yeah, I will say I really do love the part. It's very Jim Henson energy. Of she starts saying like, "I wish, I wish," and we're cutting back and forth to the goblins. W- it's just a wall of goblin breath. puppets. But they're like whistle, they're like dying on every syllable, hoping that she will do the thing that they wanted to do. And the one dumb guy keep going, "Did she say it?" And then have them be like, "Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up!" It's like, like so Fozzie Muppets. Bear or Gonzo, uh huh, uh-huh. Goblin. 
but yeah, I love these puppets. They're very cool designs. I love the like, you know, creepy, you know, creepy crawling all over the house is all really good. And then the king is here. Yes. Also, I don't know a lot about babies, but I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to like put loose blankets in with a baby. And this baby is getting all sorts of loose blankets on I it. I don't know if it's the loose blanket, but you're not supposed to put like pillows or stuffed animals in there with them. Right. Well, I feel like a blanket seems just as dangerous as either of those. Things. Probably. I don't have a baby, so I don't need. I don't have to know these things. Nor listeners. do I. <laughs> my baby. My baby interactions end when I'm like, "Here is your kid back that I've yeah, been playing like, with." I. I don't. So it's it's okay that I don't know a hundred percent what can and cannot go in a baby crib. Yeah, we should we should clarify. This is not dumb men on a sitcom from 1997. This is people without children. Yes, I don't. I, it's it's fine that I don't know this yet. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, uh, the, he he arrives. Um, and he just he f- he floats magical. in, just oozing sexual energy. It's like well, it's un- it's almost like I don't think he can turn it off. No, no. But I'm I'm like putting myself in the shoes of watching this as a twelve year old, right? And I'm just like, man, it's the fact like that, you, I- that we all weren't attracted to David Bowie <laughs> watching this for the first time. That's the thing. But I- I, I'm, I'm, I'm watching it now as an adult. Like, I'm a fairly straight person. Like, I think, you know, there's the Kinsey scale or whatever, not to get too far to point on it, but I'm pretty strongly to the one side. And even I'm like, man, there's something about this guy, right? Like, I don't want to, I don't necessarily want to go to bed with him, but I see, I can but feel if he it. It's me, I'd be. <laughs> it's like, I, I would be like, okay, I'm not, no, thank you. But I wouldn't be like, hey, whoa. But yeah. it's like, the, it's, I, I hate to keep going back to this on multiple episodes because we will never do one of his movies, but. It's the complete opposite of the film persona of The Rock. It's like, it's like, <laughs> yes, Bowie right. is like, it's, it's radiating off the screen. It's like waves of sexual energy, just like, zoom, zoom, zoom. And then you go to The Rock and it's just a flat wall. And I'm just like, you the have complete opposite ends. like a Greek, like yes. sculpted by Michelangelo, The Rock. Yes. Who you, I'm like, he's whatever. Yeah. Uh, no, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. then David and, Bowie, who, as, this, I don't think I've ever seen a shirtless photo. I haven't seen, like, like that's not what oh, he's known for. There's shirtless photos of him, but he's this, like, cocaine-skinny waif with this horrible haircut, horrible makeup, horrible, like, eyebr- his eyebrows are all screwed up in this movie. They're in, like, weird directions. And you're like, wow, I think I get why every creature wants to have sex with this thing. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is. And then and, he and Grace Jones got together, and it was just, like, too much. Yes, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, and specifically is the Goblin King. It's like, I guess this is a human man. I don't know what creature this is specifically. Fu- watching watching it, I was like, I really want Tilda Swinton to play David Bowie in mm, like a mm-hmm, biopic. Mm-hmm. Just because facially, they look so similar. Oh, for sure. Also, I, I obviously the cod piece is like the joke of the movie. Watching right. it, because I haven't watched it in quite a while. Um, it is available for streaming currently on HBO and at Max at the time of yeah. recording. Um, the cod piece, not as prominent as I, I was like, it's, it's a, it's there, but like, it's less cod piece and more, oh, you're poking out there, bud. Yeah. Well, so they, <laughs> in the, the new, li- the, not Lou, the live action Disney Cinderella, they made like six years ago or whenever that came out. Yeah. Uh, they had a similar problem with, uh, the hot prince where they had to like test out different cod pieces because sure it was too much in his leggings. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, they were, we, they're like, you got to put on three or four dance belts. They're like, here's test this one. Now test it. They, they screen tested a couple for that guy so that yeah, they could keep it yeah. PG. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this movie seems like it shouldn't be PG because he is poking out everywhere. Yeah. 
Uh, he does a little fushigi ball juggling, which apparently he must have learned because he does it a lot no, in this movie. No, he David Bowie doesn't do it. That's one of the cameramen is good at it. So anytime okay. you see it, it's the cameraman's hand. So he, it's like that, like when you put your arms behind your back and someone snakes their hand through. Oh wow, really? So that's yeah. So that's why a lot of the shots are shoulder or like shoulder down, and then the hand is in frame so that they, they don't have to oh, do anything awkward like that. Oh yeah, yeah, but yeah. But there yeah, are yeah. a few I, shots totally where right. it's the like. I'm gonna pretend to be your hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that, that silly whose line game. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. they fooled me completely. So yeah. I'm glad that you pointed out. Also, I, I do always... remember I I remember the infomercials for these that would air on, you know, like the Nickelodeon or whatever oh, yeah. in the 90s. And I always wanted it. And it was definitely because Bowie did it in Labyrinth, for sure. Not because well, it's commercial. a cool thing. It's like and it's yeah. the perfect like party trick. Like or at a party at my house, this is the party trick I can bust out that like yeah. is not the problem, annoying. The problem with it though is like it's the guitar guy conundrum, right? It's, no, because to me, you a don't want to be the guy that. But you don't want to be the guy that gets out a prop. If there is a prop of like, say you are I doing, said, I said a party at your house party trick. But if you have the party at your house and it's like, oh my guitar is just in the corner, like it's. I feel like you're very dangerously close to guitar guy in the scenario you're describing. I find not always. I think guitar guy is disruptive to the party. You pulling out your little glass ball to do a little wobbly woobly and but do, then, do but a David you, Bowie voice is not. But you're doing it so that people will look at you. And then people are like, oh, Andrew's doing Fushigi ball. What's that thing? And everybody's like, oh, he's doing the Bowie thing. And everybody starts looking. So it's like, it's a little less disruptive, but it's not not disruptive. Do you follow my meaning? Do you guess, see what I mean? Yes. But so to, I just, me, to me, everything is everything is below guitar guy at a party. <laughs> Oh, I would. I mean, I would it's agree. Actually, guitar guy. Well, I'll say blanket instrument guy at a party. Yeah, that's. I don't want to hear your fair. harmonica. Yeah, I don't want to hear your, your ukulele. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not. A, and it's like you can be second guitar guy, but you can never want to be first guitar guy. Oh, if there's the two guitar guys at a party. I'm Kool Aid Manning through a window. Well, I, okay. So I have been to pleasant experiences, like sitting around a campfire at somebody's house. Somebody gets a guitar out, and then campfire the feels different. I the, can't play. I, again, I don't know why campfire is different than party. And then the guitar starts getting passed around. Like who else knows how to play? And then other. And then it becomes. Oh, like a, okay. Yes, I was picturing yes. you. You were implying there were two men with guitars. No, no, no. You there is a guitar, and you can be the second guitar or third okay, guitar guy. That's okay. But you don't In want my, to be the guitar guy. I thought you were describing one man pulls out a guitar, and then a second man pulls out a guitar, and in that party. I am out the window. <laughs> no, no, no. But I have been in situations where it's like the person who has the guitar knows that I can play eight chords and therefore a whole bunch of songs. And it's like, all right, I'll strum some chords. And then it's like, all right, I don't want this anymore. But back to someone else. So, yeah. But I turn into I turn into uh, John Belushi in Animal House. <laughs> Guitars at a party. <laughs> just, just yeah. No, I'm with you. You don't want to be a guitar guy. I also always uh, I've taken to I generally say labyrinth. Like Bowie does. Like I don't say he, labyrinth. He, yeah, often. he does say it very strangely. The labyrinth. The other, the other part about this scene I love is he's doing the Fushigi ball, then the Fushigi ball turns into a snake, and then he throws the snake at Jennifer Connolly, but they are 18 inches apart, chest to chest, when this happens. So he, he basically inches, yeah. like at the point where he's extended his arm fully toward her, he's almost touching her. So the snake travels like four inches from his fingertips to her neck. Well, it always cracks safety. me up. 
Well, it's a fake <laughs> snake. They don't throw the real snake at Jennifer Connelly, you fool. What? Aes are wild, man. You never know. <laughs> I. It's very clearly like a rubber snake that he throws. And cut then it to, turns into a scarf. Yes, yes. And, and, it's, and it's like, oh, I'm the Goblin King. I have all sorts of weird, undefined powers. P.S. We're never going to define them. Don't worry about it. And you know what? Didn't bother me. Because it never became... He was doing stuff to get out of shenanigans yep, or yep. like put things in her way. It was just like, I am magical. I am vague magical and I have a magical labyrinth. Yes. In the old podcast, I used to ask people a question of what non life changing superpower they would have. And these all qualify as non life changing powers for the most part. So would you that's consider what it is. the ball to snake to scarf one power? I think you could call that. Ability to transform objects into other objects, none of which have any useful utility. Or value. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, it's, it, the, the problem with movies where the powers are undefined is it turns into Invincible Kid, where it's, oh, Superman. I do that too, and I can do that. But not just Superman. When you're playing games with a kid and, and they're, you're all making stuff up, and the kid's oh, like, oh, I have magic okay. this, and I have magic that. Mm-hmm. It, you don't want to be infinity plus one, is the you're thing. Right. That's that's the that's what you need to avoid is infinity plus one. And I think because he's never he's never active in the story of the movie in that right. way. Like he's more like the wicked witch. Yeah, he yeah, like yeah. pops he sits in, in his to throw ivory a fireball tower. and then be like, bye, glitter yeah. bomb. <laughs> You're not wrong about glitter bombs. There's so much freaking glitter in this movie. Oh yeah. Half of the movie looks like the Monday after Pride. <laughs> So he reveals to her that there is a goblin palace uh, behind well, the goblin labyrinth. She knew about it. So the book she was reading and like quoting in the beginning is the labyrinth. Right. And he is a character in that book. So it's a fictional mm, okay. book. It, the kayfabe of the, it was basically like if you were reading Lion, the Witch, the Wardrobe, and sure. then the white witch showed up and was like, gotcha, Tanania gotcha, gotcha. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just a fake book. So she, that's why she knows things. And mm-hmm. it, she knows enough that the audience picks up on it. And like, this is what I wanted out of legend. Yes. It's clearly inspired by fairy tales and stories. And I see where all the inspiration comes from. It is clear, concise. It makes sense. He takes her baby. She has to get the baby back. Yeah. She has to go through the labyrinth to get it. Yeah. I, I, I've talked about this before. I'm really into movies with this level of stakes where for the character, huge stakes. For the yeah, audience at large... But for the audience at large, it's like it doesn't really like like it doesn't really affect anyone beyond her immediate family if this happens. Whereas mm-hmm. you know, a big superhero movie, She'll you know, go to the whole jail world is stake. Yeah, a yeah, baby yeah, and, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not. She, I mean, if she doesn't get the baby back, she should live here. Yeah, you have to stay here because y- yes. you go home without the baby, you're on trial for murder. <laughs> R- right. Yeah, and she's like, I the Goblin King took the baby. The best case scenario, you really commit to the Goblin King took the baby story, you get it committed to an asylum. That's mm-hmm. the best case scenario. And then, like Dorothy, they stick a leather belt in your mouth. Right, exactly. As we saw in Dorothy's, the second Dorothy <laughs> movie, is they, they try to turn her brain into pudding. So we get Hoggle, who is the hero of the puppets. And I, I as an adult, I don't remember how I felt as a kid, I think Hoggle is terrifying. I don't think terrifying, but he's definitely not cute enough. The The head is the wrong size, and I know that that is a practical function, that it needed to be this big, but well, if they needed a big head, they needed a bigger body. I think the body. big head is is to make it cute. 
Because if you yeah. do big head on a little thing, like it starts to get into like cutesy territory. And I think yeah, they're yeah, like yeah. trying to shift the scale. Um, but, you... all, but all the other, I find all the other puppets cute. That's true. Like Fox yeah. is cute. Uh, Ludo. The y. Ludo. Ludo. Yeah, the Yeti is super. Ludo is adorable. I mm-hmm. like. I want to hang out with. Like, I want to be swept up in his big furry arms and cuddled. Like, it yeah. seems wonderful. Uh, Hoggle, I would like to kick into the pit of eternal stench. <laughs> I don't want to kick. You're. Uh, I don't have an aggressive reaction to Hoggle, but if, I don't think if, he's cute. okay. All right, let me let me paint you a picture and see how you feel. Okay, you're in the you're in the labyrinth. Okay, it's there's a lot of mist. Right out of the mist glitter. walks. Yeah, out of the glitter mist walks three creatures. We've got Ludo, we got Hoggle, and we got the Fox. Which one feels like the cartoonishly evil one? I guess Hoggle, but Ludo arguably looks like a, a beast, like a monster. I think those eyes are too too warm, is the thing. The eyes do help. You're missing the fourth option where David Bowie comes out of the mist. <laughs> if David Bowie and comes I out say, of the mist. don't need these anymore and take <laughs> yeah, off my pants. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what happens. I think that's exactly what happens. Um. Have you heard the Hoggle puppet story? Uh, about how it was like five people needed to operate it? No. Um, so this puppet got lo- like the the was put in a suitcase to come back to Henson Studios and got like mishandled and put on mm. the wrong plane, I think. Okay. Um, and so it ended up at this airport in Arizona. And oh, where all the lost baggage goes. Was on, yeah, or maybe that is that just where it ends up? Lost baggage yes. ends up in Arizona? Yeah, okay, yeah. then maybe it wasn't mishandled on the wrong flight. It was unclaimed somehow and ended up at this place in air, at the airport in Arizona where all the lost baggage goes. And years and years and years later, they cracked it up. They were like going through with the stuff that's like, you know, out of well, date or whatever. They, they auctioned the bags off. But they auctioned, they auctioned this off way after the fact. Like it wasn't, a re, it wasn't like recent to the movie. Gotcha. And they uh, auctioned it, opened it, and got Google Google Hoggle Hoggle Puppet today. <laughs> and if you think Hoggle was scary in the movie, is it all rotted? I'm guessing it's gonna. Be it is. Rotted. It is a, a nightmare. Like imagine you uh, they auction off the suitcase, you buy it, and you're like, well, let's see what I purchased. And then you open the suitcase to find Hoggle Puppet. Now I'll be honest with you, this. This doesn't look as terrifying as I expected. No, that's fixed up. That's they, okay. they they fixed it up. Maybe don't do today the Hoggle Puppet suitcase. Oh yes. Holy mackerel. Yeah. Okay. And you open yeah. this, you're like, let's see what I got at the it's, auction. It's basically just like a robot with some flesh over it. At first glance, it looks like a body. It looks like someone yeah, stuffed no, a body in a suitcase. It definitely does. Uh, you know what? I had heard this before. Uh, I had completely forgotten it, but as you started talking to it, I'm like, oh, right, I definitely I definitely know about this. Apparently, it's been fixed up and is now on display at the Yeah, it ha- that's it's, why it looks okay It's now. Alabama, not Arizona. Alabama. I knew it was yeah. a state. Yeah. Scottsboro, Alabama, if you're ever down that way. You could see Hoggle in, the, in a case there. So he's spraying fairies and killing them with some sort of, you know, old-fashioned like old, poison spray. bug spray. And yeah, with the, yeah. This, this, the tube with the big can attached. Yeah. If you watch WWF in the 80s, it's the thing supermodel Rick Martel would spray his opponents with and knock them out and then win. It's like his big heel. Oh, weapon. that's fun. Yeah. It was allegedly full of uh, cologne, I think. Hmm. 
So he's killing the fairies. Jennifer Connelly is like, hey, what are you doing? These fairies are great. And she picks up the fairy and the fairy promptly bites her, which seems insane when the thing is trying to help you. But I guess, you know, scorpion and the frog, so to speak. Yeah, I think it was like, yeah, the the giant creature scoops you up. You're going to defend yourself. And Hoggle's like, fairies are assholes, dude. Yeah, yeah. But it's so Hoggle is one person inside and then four people controlling the face. I think it's Mm -hmm. one mouth, one for each eye. And I forget what the other one does. It's probably eyebrows, mouth, eyes. And like, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe it's one each eye. That seems weird, though. Yeah, I, I, it could be one for each eye and then the eyebrows. I don't know. Whatever it is, it's four people. Uh, and so they all and had Brian to sort Henson's of... Brian the voice. Yes. And they all had to sort of... And he was one of the puppeteers as well. And they had to all sort of learn to work in concert, which I think for the most part is pretty effective. But I just think this design is mm-hmm. just creepy. That's fair. So she starts walking down the path. He sort of warns her not to go down there and do this. And she shrugs him off like, I got to get my brother. And she she starts going down the path, and I love the little eyeball vines. Yeah, there's some great little pup, like little things. Yes, yes. But she realizes that there's no turns; it's all a straight shot. And she's like, "Well, that can't be like it's a labyrinth that has to yeah. turn at some point." And so she talks to the little baby worm, uh, and he's little like, "Traitor bastard!" Yeah. Well, in his defense, she didn't ask why she shouldn't go that way. But why would, like, if you went that way, you'd go straight to the castle. She says, I'm going to the castle. No, she's, I don't think she says, I think she says how to get through the labyrinth. I don't think she specifies where she's going. Okay. Because in this world, everyone's scared of David Bowie. That's true. That's true. Um, But it's this weird thing where she says, like, they start using the phrase, take it for granted. And I was like, I don't think any of you really know what this phrase means. You're using it real liberally. Right. Because she's like, maybe it doesn't go on straight forever. Maybe I'm just taking for granted that it does. And she starts sprinting. And I was like, huh? But then the little guy is like, things aren't what they seem here. You can't take a wall for granted. And it's this really impeccable optical illusion. Um, like, it's very, like, Vegas magician. Yes, yes. It Where she, it's a solid wall and she walks up to it. And I was like, oh, are they going to do, like, an effect? I don't remember. I was like, do, they, do, they, do they do an effect where she, like, phases through it? But no, it's just... These two, it's a wall with an opening perfectly placed with the wall, the next wall behind it so that it looks solid, but you can actually walk in and go down a new path. Yeah, I thought it was super cool. It, it reminded me of something you'd see at, um, gosh, what's that weird art installation that's sort of halfway between art and theme park? O- Omega Mart? Oh, I know what you're talking about. It's like very acid trippy. Yeah, yeah. It seems like something that they would have inside one of those. They just opened one in Vegas. It looks pretty wild. Uh, if you're listening, Omega Mart people, you should uh, invite us out to come look at it. We like yeah. weird shit. I, I love the ca- I love the little bit at the end where he's like, "She went that way. She goes straight to the castle." Oof. <laughs> I love that, that line. Little bastard worm. I also really want to see the behind the scenes where somebody had a glitter cannon that just was spraying all of the the walls and floor because truly embedded into all of this set is, is glitter. glitter. Yeah. It reminds which me feels of, which feels very accurate for this goblin for King's David Lair. Bowie's house. Yes, yes. Well, it reminds me that I st- started my last job before the one I'm at now, the Monday after Pride, um, and so I went into the like it was just like three of us for like first day you know intro training whatever at the at the like HR place, and it was me. And across the way, I was like, "That's a gay guy. I bet that's a gay guy." 
we're now good friends. She's she's a Judy of mine now. But I was looking, I was trying to like figure out if I like recognize them. And then he turned his head and I saw like four stray glitter on his face. And I was like, oh, Monday after pride glitter. Yep. I know who you are. I see you. So we go to the baby and this is dance magic, which is the best song in the movie by far. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm, at this I'm, point, I would be climbing over the walls. I would like, there's the castle. Just climb on the walls. Just walk on the walls. Because they're not very tall. Yeah, I do feel that this would probably destroy you if you did that. Like that, the, the labyrinth knows that's one of the ways that you think you're going to beat it, and so it's like, yeah, go ahead and do that. Wink. See, I would in today. Well, in to, if this movie were made today, we would have spent forty five minutes in the human world explaining why yes. she loves the book Labyrinth. Yes, 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 of and course. all that. But it would be cool for like for her to have that idea, climb up there, and as she gets to the top, all the other walls climb like rise up. Yeah. So she just has to keep climbing up. If she wants to do that, she would have to keep climbing forever. Yeah, that would be pretty rad. I'd be into it too. Um, but dance, magic, dance. So she starts. We're cut. We cut. We do like most of dance, magic, dance. Cut to her doing. She's chalking the tiles so she knows where to go, which is pretty smart. Although where she got this chalk, I have no idea. Also, and then, chalk the walls, baby. Yeah, I mean it's all the same chalk, whatever. But I think the same thing would happen regardless if she chalks the walls or the floor. But she finally notices that the creatures are turning her chalk marks behind her to mess. Yeah, her they're up. either flipping the tile completely so the chalk is gone, or turning it so she is going to get flipped around. So it's <laughs> like we see that happen. We go back to dance magic. Then she catches on, and we come to the doormen, which the uh, is the classic one tell always tells the truth, the other always tells a lie. So she has to outsmart them. And they say you could only you could only ask questions to one of us, right? And I was like, but they don't say you can only ask one question, correct? So just pick one. Say what color is my hair? He'll lie to you, and then you can ask the door question. And you'll know which door to pick. So the way that it would get around that is it would say the color of a magpie after bathing in the river of Sabubala, and you'd be guess, like, but uh, it's you'd, worth you'd a shot. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, she figures it out. The qu- you ask. What you need to do is ask the ask one of them what the other one's answer to something will be. Yes. Yeah. But I still think it would, you could ask there in this world you could ask easier questions first. I feel like maybe maybe I think I think you'd get nonsense because it would be a lie. Um. So she guesses wrong because she gets confused and the, <laughs> I like that everyone gets confused by the doors. Like even the yeah. doors. Like I don't remember anymore. Just go ahead. Yeah. And well, it does say one is the way forward, the other leads to certain death. And she doesn't, she drops into the grope tunnel, so it's not certain death in the grope but tunnel. But then she drops, no, she drops into the oubliette, which oh, is- Oh, that's fair, that's fair. Where you literally means to forget in French. Yeah. And is, apparently was a real style of dungeon. Hmm. Just like a, a little- a hole, in the, they... a hole in the top that was the only way to get in and out without, <laughs> so you couldn't escape without assistance. Right pretty terrifying um and i love this in the hand sequence um the grope tunnel we should call it what it is it's a grope tunnel like i assume nobody got fresh with jennifer connelly i sure hope so because she yeah. was a child i feel like she would have come out that it would have come out by now but th- certainly there was accidental touching of butts and other body parts like guaranteed a butt was touched whether on well, purpose or not I'll, i mean it, that's a very solid place to hold someone if they're if they're in a seated position like she is no, I agree. I'm just saying. There's a difference between holding somebody under their butt and touching someone's butt. You're right. And you know exactly what I mean by the difference. You are correct. 
Because we, I forgot that I forgot that we also use this hand imagery in our version of Alice in Wonderland for the rabbit hole. We all oh, had okay. white gloves on and black light, and so Alice climbed a ladder, and we were like a descending staircase of hands that she like tumbled down, and we had to like cheerleader trick her to the bottom. Okay, um, I do, I do love when the hands start making faces and talking. Because I think they it's create super so cool. many different characters. Yes, yeah. There's probably a dozen in this two minute sequence, and it's all really really impressive really cool stuff that these these groups of puppeteers worked on together and it's like i would watch i don't know if i'd watch a movie but i'd watch a music video where this was I'd watch a short thing yeah you know i like five minutes of, of a story like these hands telling a story i'm totally in mm-hmm. um so they're helping hands so they can they're like she's, they say they can take her where which direction she wants to go and for some right. reason She's like, well, I'm pointing down, so I guess down. I was like, no, you fell down, so tell me right. to back up. You're right. I, I, I was like, now hold on a minute. Wait a second. What do you mean? Uh, to me, that that's to that is to me very Alice in Wonderland. Yes. Like, yes. Well, the path I'm headed is down or whatever. A big dumb baby. Uh, we get into Hoggle's room and we have a little bit of haggling with Hoggle, which is just a, a sentence I wanted to make sure I got to say on the podcast. And I love this bit. That comes right after the she gets him to agree to help her. He like lifts. It, it's up there with like draw a door from Beetlejuice. Yes, yes, yes. He lifts up this plank of wood from the floor and puts it against the wall and then opens it like a door and a bunch of pots and pans and brooms fall out. And he's like, ah, oh, broom closet. And he shuts it. And then he grabs it from the other side and opens it that way. And it leads outside and out, or leads <laughs> into a tunnel or something. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so really great. excellent. It is. It's wonderful. It's my favorite gag in the whole movie. It's honestly one of my favorite Jim Henson gags, period. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Because it feels, again, Muppet energy. Yeah, for sure. And and the other thing that I think is really funny, the people keep telling her, like, this is really dangerous, you're going to die. And I don't think she should stop, but I do think she should probably think about it. <laughs> Given what she's gone through to this point, I'd be like, you know what? Let me do a pros and cons list real quick. Where's my chalk? The other option, but we said she has to, st- if she's not coming home with the baby, she's got to stay here. Like, yeah. So um, we leave, we leave that room. We go into the room of the sparkly Olmecs from Legends of the Hidden Temple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really fun because they're all like, turn back. And yeah. they get to the one and they tell him to shut up. And he's like, but I, it's my only line. <laughs> <laughs> I still think I have a dumb job on this ship. It's stupid, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> and they're like, okay, fine. You can say it. <laughs> And he gets the longest one that's like, yeah, you will die. Your bones yeah. will toil Turn for eternity. Back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. And then um, they see one of the the glass ball. What did you call them? Fujuki? They're called Fushigi. Fushigi, Fushigi ball. Yeah, juggling. They see one of the Fushigi balls. Fushigi juggling, I think is what it's called. Sorry. Roll by. And it just like rolls up to this like what looks like a blind Skeksy from, from Dark Crystal. Mm-hmm. Or you know what? No, you know who it looks like. Um, who is the blind guy in Treasure Island who shows up at the ho- at the inn in the beginning? Uh, I know who you're talking One-eyed about. One-eyed Bill the, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the Muppet version. In the Muppet version. It looks yeah, like yeah. The, the Muppet one-eyed w- whatever. Yes, uh, one-eyed yes. Willie who gives the black spot. And it jumps into his little tin cup. And then it's revealed that it's in this very smooth, beautiful way. It's revealed that it's actually David Bowie. Yes. And he, he says another line I quote all the time, which is nothing tra la la. 
<laughs> nothing, 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 tra-la-la. This is a trope in movies that's like, I get it. You want to be kind of, you know, a cavalier asshole. But this character's not trying to be a cavalier asshole. It's like, it's like one thing if you're, if Jack Burton does it, right? You know, if Jack Burton's like... Pretends to be a blind guy? No, 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 no. The trope of the conversation that happens next, which is like, you don't think my puzzle's hard? Like, Jack oh. Burton goes like, yeah, it's the easiest thing I ever saw. What do you do? I'm Jack Burton, baby. Nothing scares me. But you're a dumb baby. You should be like, no, it's pretty challenging, actually. But, you know, I'm trying to get my baby brother back. Just, just answer the question. Like... It, what you do leads to the way you phrase it leads to worse action. If you just say nothing, maybe it doesn't happen. Maybe it's like, oh, it's an appropriate level of difficulty. Great. I've matched my opponent well. Because <laughs> well, I, I feel like no matter what she said, he was going to do something. Obviously, like he's the villain, but. No, I know. But it just always strikes me as the situation of, you know, most every job I've ever had has situations where at some point your boss will come to you and be like, you know, if you don't have enough to do, let me know. Like, I'm not going to do that ever. I'm I'm never going to tell you that. Why would I ask for additional work? I have work to do. And if I finish it early, the better for me. It's it's very like when you go on I I'll use drag race just because that's what I've been watching, but like if you're on a reality show competition, don't talk about the thing that you're good at. Right. Because then the producers are just going to gas it up so that you yes. can fall. Yeah, exactly. If you're good at singing, I've never sang in my life. Yeah. We well, don't even have to go happens. that far. You could just be like I like to sing or something. You know, like don't 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 blow smoke up your own ass even if it's the truth. That, very that. So he she says it's a piece of cake and he's like, oh, well, and he th- he like holds his ball and he like throws it down this hallway and it turns into the cleaner, which I love this design because, yeah, you know, that was a practical like gear work thing. Yes. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's basically the Indiana Jones ball, but it's a giant death drill mm-hmm. with and on the drill are like little grabby squares squeezy claw yes. hands that yeah. also spin around in circles has it been really around? good stuff yeah i really enjoyed it and then uh hoggle and her run from it and they dive down a like on a side door and as it passes you see that it's just like two goblins on a bike and then two goblins rotating it like yeah what's that is that a drill Cor- uh, old like hand powered oh, old, 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 old drill yeah an old school a hand drill uh, I also like I, I, it's the second time it happens. There's a bunch of stuff in this movie that clearly ended up in the brain of J.K. Rowling. One is the fact that he calls him Hogwart. Like, a well, lot. apparently that's a thing. Hogwart is a thing from something else. Okay. Well, Which there's I, a lot. I thought that too. Yeah. Well, there's a fair amount of this that I'm like, yeah, I could see this in the DNA of those Harry Potter books for sure. She was like, if only they wrote about how trans people aren't people. <laughs> I really like the part where they emerge from a pot. It's fun. Apparently that ended up in someone's garden. Like oh, really? One of, the, one of the puppeteers. or I don't, That's They cool. said a name and I was like, I don't remember. I don't remember who that name is. And I was like, at this point, I was like, oh, put Hoggle on your shoulders, Jennifer Connelly. And he can like direct you where to go because he he will then be able to see over the top of all the walls. Sure, yeah, for sure, for sure. Instead, she steals his jewels, and he he she calls him a friend after she's stolen from him, and he is so yeah. sad and lonely that he's like, "Y'all my friend? What?" <laughs> uh, which is very Dobby energy. Speaking of things stolen and put in Harry Potter, mm-hmm. and I then, love the um, chicken creature they come to next. It's like uh, the. The chicken creature is the hat of this old man kind of thing, but it it's hard to tell if they are one or it is just a hat that can talk. 
The chicken says it's hard being your hat. Yeah, but I wonder if it's like lit, like he can take him off at the end of the day, or if it's like that baby thing from um, Hellboy 2. Maybe. I mean, I assume hat means hat in all worlds. So more jewelry bits. I think this is where she gives Hoggle her bracelet, right? Or uh, no? Maybe, I that think she gave already. it to him earlier, the plastic yeah. bracelet. No, this is the ring. She has to give the ring to the oh. chicken creature. That's right. She get, That's yeah. more jewelry. Yeah. Uh, really cool matte composite here of the foreground being the labyrinth and then extending the labyrinth with a with a matte painting. Yeah, it's really well and done. Looks really cool because it's fantasy and so it kind of blends in well. And then they go their separate ways and Jennifer Connelly saves this giant like Yeti creature. Yeah. Who's being tortured. He's upside down getting poked with sticks. They're like, so it's, it, it's big Flintstones energy. These. Yeah, things, for sure. Which Jim Henson worked, their studios worked on. It's like oh, sticks okay. with like a little lizard creature holding the end that, that like bites. It's like the sickest, creepy version of those grabber toys. That yeah, that's, kids. yeah, 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 yeah. So she starts hucking these rocks that are like rolling to help her. And we learned later that Ludo controls rocks. So do you think Ludo is bringing these to her to help him? That's possible. I didn't yeah. think about it that way, but you're right. So she she's knocks these guys all about. They end up hitting each other because they can't see, and then they flee, and she frees Ludo by dropping him square on his noodle, which feels unpleasant. <laughs> Poor buddy. So they start going their way, and um, they come across the living door knockers. I'm sorry. These are the Statler and Waldorf doors, and I will not accept any other name oh, for them. Oh, very much so. <laughs> but it's it's clever because it's very they're designed like real door knockers, with like face door knockers and so one of them has the ring in his ears so he can't really hear and the other one has the ring in his mouth so he can kind of like mumble yeah i thought that was really funny and although i did feel quite bad for it you know she he spits out the ring she gives it to uh, ludo who starts trying to eat it and then she has to knock on his door so she has to trick him and she has to hold his nose shut so his mouth opens and jam the ring back Mm in i kind of want to be like well okay pull it back out while the door's open and Ludo, don't but couldn't she just knock on like do you have to use the knocker like that's what i think also couldn't she just physically hit the door with the knocker in her hands yeah because then i feel like in another movie that could be a fun like magical tool that she like creates door you can create a door yes. out of anything you knock yeah, on this I, tree and it opens i love that i love that just the same way that you know drawing a door would work mm-hmm. um hoggle walks past these bowie face rocks yeah which apparently weird. are throughout the movie there's like a few not oh. those exactly apparently there's other hidden bowie faces sprinkled in the movie it's like the weirdest version of the disney hidden mickey it's hidden bowie. yeah exactly um, there's a name for this kind of statue, but it's like four rocks when aligned in the perfect position make Bowie's face. But as soon as you start to mm. step away, they don't look like anything. Yeah, I totally, I did not see any of them. I never heard it or I would have looked for it. That's kind of a cool thing. Um, and then Hoggle sees actual David Bowie and his costume is just so good. It's yeah, such a it, great costume design. It looks yeah. magical. It looks powerful. He looks like, he looks like a spooky, sexy wizard. Yeah. Which is exactly what the Goblin King is. So fair, fair play. Uh, I like I, I like this whole idea. He's like, okay, Hoggle, you're one of my subjects. You're bound to be. You have to help me. So trick her into eating this peach, which is going to make her forget that what she needs to do, and then I can win. Uh, it it's, is weird to me, though, because at different times, Bowie just arbitrarily messed. Like, at one point, not long ago, there's a ticking clock in this movie that's kind of an irrelevant ticking clock. But, you have 13 hours. Yeah. But then when she says it's too easy, he like jams the clock forward it's like oh okay it takes the time away and then he's like oh i'll give her this apple or peach and make her forget 
what she's doing. It's like, well, before you just change the time, couldn't you just go like, whoop, okay, time's up. Just kidding. Bye. Well, I, I think there's a level of fairness to him. Yeah, yeah. Like, he can't just keep popping in to be like, hey, how, how hard do you think it is now? And she'd be like, He's a well, benevolent spooky sex wizard, is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. Okay. He's a fair spooky sex wizard. Okay, okay. He knows she won't fall for it again, the trick of how hard is his labyrinth. Right. Well, she might. She's not that, she's not that smart, she as may. we've seen. And he also uh, says, Hoggle, if she kisses you, I'll throw you into the pit of eternal stench, or bog of eternal stench, excuse me. And I'm like, oh, that's dumb. Like, why would she kiss him? And then, of course, the the, the scene that follows is she immediately tries to kiss him. And I'm like, all right, Jennifer. Well, Conley. he saved like, her from the creatures we've referenced a lot on this podcast. No, I get that. That's good that he saved her. But I, the smooch is your first instinct. Like, I don't know. It's, it's He's got a she weird face. She gave him a face. hug and, like, a kiss on the top of the head. It wasn't like a... No, I know, like, she, dip it. She's she not, like, throw it into a dip, like, and Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> yes, I'm aware. She's not just trying to, like, suck face with him, but... Um, so this is where we finally get to actually see those creatures we've referenced a lot. The chili-down oh creatures. Oh, my God. They're so freaky. I, they're, they are so unnerving. I'm 34 years old and I hate everything about this. Like it doesn't actually, it doesn't, it's not like, oh, I didn't sleep last night kind of unselling, but like it's, it's, it's yucky to watch. It's creepy. It's, it they're gets to the core looking. of you and quiver, you know, it's just like, oh, like their legs come off and they use them as golf clubs. Their arms come off and they're using them as jump ropes. They're throwing each other's heads. Their it's whole just bodies like, come apart. I hate this. I hate it very much. Well, and they're all done through green screen so that they can be puppeteered properly. Right. Because right. I imagine the puppeteers are just all in green screen suits so that they can, like... Yeah. You can have, like, eight people on one puppet or whatever. So because of that factor, they look also removed from reality in, like, an uncanny valley way. Yeah, for sure. But she escapes... They sing the song Chili Down, and she escapes by throwing all of their heads, and then Hoggle gives her a rope to climb away with. Hoggle saves the day yet again. And then she kisses him, and they almost tumble into the bog of eternal stench. It does seem like a very fun slide, I will say. It does. It it's definitely a like Legends of the Hidden Temple hidden shortcuts that kind of slide. Yeah. Um but like this bog of eternal stench is exactly what I meant earlier when I was like this is what I want from legend. Like this is exactly children's movie fairy tale bad yeah. thing. Princess Bride. smell terrible. Right. The rents of unusual size, you know? Exactly. Or um the Swamp of Sadness or whatever the yeah. hell from Neverending yeah. Story. Like, exactly. Yeah, give me that. Like, very clearly named, kind of fun, silly, spooky things. Yeah. So now they're like crawling on the wall and they end up getting saved by Ludo. Because he can call rocks. No. Y no, we, we don't learn that yet. Right? Yeah, that's later. No, that's that's yeah. later. Ludo is just back now. Right, and this is where we're <laughs> like now that the puppet can fit where we're in the scene. <laughs> we have Ludo we can have, be back in the movie. We, we have crossed the tight spaces, so the eight foot tall, six foot wide puppet is Sweetums back. Sweetums yes. has joined the chat. Yes, exactly. Uh, and we meet our little fox friend who has later we'll see really big Jack Burton energy. I really like it. I was I said he has big Pepe the Prawn and Rizzo the Rat energy. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. But unearned confidence is what I would describe this fox as. Mm -hmm. He's like this tiny little guy. He looks like he's made out of five feathers. But I think to me, he feels the most Muppety. 
Yeah, he seems like a Muppet for sure. Which is why I think I kind of like am drawn to him the most more than like Hoggle and Ludo. Because like they are puppets, obviously, but like Hoggle's got the more like motorized face puppeteering. Yeah, but, yeah. But uh, Sir Didymus is literally like that's someone's hand in a puppet and then they yes. have rods for his hands. And right, it's just like right. that's That to me is just like heartwarming. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I found him the most charming too and I couldn't put my finger on it, but that's why. Although, like I said, I do want to be cuddled by Ludo. Oh, yes. So uh, he and Ludo fight because he was sworn to not let anyone cross the bridge. And then they were like, Hoggle puppeteers, take a break. Hoggle's just going to cross the bridge when no one's looking. Yeah, yeah. Which I thought was good. Yeah. Um, so they uh, Ludo wins his respect. And then they realize that his vow was to not let anyone cross the bridge without his permission. And then they're like, well, so can we have your permission? Which again, <laughs> perfect fairy tale logic. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. You should be able to out clever the bad guys in a fairy tale. And then, so he becomes their friend and the bridge collapses. And this is where we learn Ludo talks to boulders. Yeah. He does like a big, and the boulders start coming to help. Oh, uh, we should say the bridge collapses whilst Jennifer Connelly is on it. Yes. So she's dangling by a tree branch is about to fall into the pit of Eternal Stench. Correct. Bog of Eternal Stench. Sorry. Gosh. The bog. Um, so she they, they cross with the, with the rocks and they're walking and they're like hungry. Very oh, also, Sir Didymus rides a dog. We, he we does. Did, we did forget to mention Sir Ambrosius. Yes. Who farts in this sequence, which I found quite. Silly. Oh, I missed that. Or the either the bog farts or the dog farts. But I think definitely it's the a, bog because the bog okay. can fart up a storm. Okay. Um, Hoggle finally gives her the peach, mm-hmm. which you know is are the poppies in this in this Wizard of Oz, right? And she ends up at this eyes wide shut masquerade. I thought the soap bubbles were really interesting. Like it's a very old school effect. You know, bubble floats by and you put images moving images into the bubble but i thought it looked really dreamlike and weird which is what it's going for it, it was better Very than ethereal. this effect should be yeah that's a good word for it it just was way better than i thought this would be or should be mm-hmm. her hair and and costume in this sequence are stunning like yeah this is a great like even though it's only for three to four minutes of the song it's just like a really beautiful thing to look at yeah yeah it's also basically the exact sequence that happens in legend Yes, except what's her face? Mia Sarah's dressed like this the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this so is it, Bowie's old school dance seduction, like very, you know. It feels very Dracula. Yeah, yeah, that's a great, great, great analogy for sure. Like Dracula would do this at a party. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I just watched the Bram Stoker, the '90s Bram Stoker Dracula with uh, Winona doing her best and uh, uh, Neo doing his best. Yeah. And I don't remember if there was a party sequence, but it feels like that. I, I totally agree. It would fit right in that movie. So now we got Sad Hoggle and the the junk lady who I well, guess- Well, so Sarah realizes this is fake and smashes the bubble because she runs up- That's She right, runs that's up right, to the edge right. of the bubble, which is a great shot. Like, it looks cool with the effects yeah. of, like, her being reflected in the bubble. And she smashes it with a chair and everything goes crazy inside with, like- People are being lifted on wires and the tables yeah, are yeah. flipping. It's cool. Yeah, it's it's way better than what I expected, which is going to be the Star Trek. Like, we're going to tilt the camera left. Everybody run left. No, oh, no, no. They, the were, right. they went ham. This is much better. Yeah, yeah. Um, So she's it's a it's a fake out home again, which we love. Right. 
we're in the junkyard. The junkyard lady opens a, a door and it opens her bedroom and she puts her in. But this part here, I, 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 it's very, it's not subtle, obviously. It's like storytelling by Sledgehammer. But she starts physically piling objects onto her and the weighing her down. The junk lady is your brain when you're having a panic attack or a depressive yeah. episode. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's just, just like, what, is, what, com- what comforts are there in the room? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I actually was thinking of the opposite way because it's like, here's all your problems. Like, I'm just burdening, burdening you down with all the things that you like. You already feel like you have the weight of the world. And here is physically the weight of the world is now on you. Like, you can't get rid of this. You can't get rid of that. And it's just like, I I thought of it in the same way as you, but in a more sinister way of it being this like thing well, that's see, really. The things she was saying weren't problem things. They were comfort things. No, I know that, but the the symbolism is that she's saying this stuff as if it's supposed to be comforting, but what she's actually doing is trapping her. Well, I also think it's like basically that's what this junk lady is. Like, yeah, I think she is. She's I think turn- she, is she was turning-, turning her into one of the junk people. Yes, for sure, one hundred percent. That's what this was to be. Yeah, and so then she the room- she wakes up. At some room point. falls apart again. Yeah, yeah. This one's cool though. It's like a very They're good follow cool, But no, it's no, just no, funny no, that yeah, twice yeah. in a row. It's like, and the room just and the world is destroyed. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they make it to the castle and fight this. Did you think the uh trash lady sounded a little little bit like Edie McClurg? Because I got a little Edie McClurg vibe. Yeah, there was definitely some some McClurg. If she had the the Ferris Bueller hair, I wouldn't have been mad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they make it to the castle and they fight this like two part door monster that becomes one when the doors close. It's a cool, it, it's basically a suit of armor that comes to life, but the jumboest one you've ever seen. It's very much a, uh, a boss battle in yes. a video game. Yes, for sure. Like rock sort of, yeah. you know, giant creature. I also love the dog going from real to puppet to real to puppet to real to puppet <laughs> a lot in this sequence. Uh-huh. It's like when it, when, there's a bunch of sequences in which they fitted some sort of saddle to a real live dog and it's walking around with a puppet flopping around on its back and then it goes around a corner and it'll pop back out and it's very clearly a human hand in there shaking a head and uh-huh. stuff. It reminds me, I, I don't remember if there, maybe I'm like attributing this to this. Was there a dog puppet in um, Fraggle Rock? Like didn't the human man have a <sighs> puppet dog? He definitely had a big fluffy dog that was almost assuredly a puppet in at least some, if not all of it. Yes. Yeah, that's where my brain went. Um, and this is where the movie starts to drag for me. And I think I truly think it's because there's the musical. There's so many of the musical sequences in it that yeah could have been trimmed out. Just make it an accompanying soundtrack. Yeah, and and I. Uh, in particular, there's one. Se- I'll just wait till we get there. But in particular, there's one sequence where I'm like, boy, this doesn't need to be a song. Yeah. Um. Hoggle comes back and defeats the uh the giant, you know, door suit of armor, and then Jareth sends his army to stop them, and we get a little a little too much fighting. Yes, a little agreed. We have like a big fight sequence, although this is the part where Sir Didymus does the big Jack Burton, like he's fighting five guys at once, they get him cornered, and he's like, Well, good show. Might as well uh, drop your weapons and surrender, and we, we can move on with our day. It's like that's very, very much what Jack Burton would do. Mm-hmm. WWJBD, this. <laughs> um, they go inside this building and like, how is Ludo going to get in? And he just opens the whole wall and crawls inside and shuts <laughs> yeah, it behind yeah. him and then kicks the roof off. It's great. Yeah, I like that that a lot. This this does have some good Muppet energy, but it's like 50% too long. Yes. Ludo calls the rocks, of course, which save them all. 
I do like uh, my favorite Muppety thing of it is they're launching these spiky balls and the first one hits the wall and then the guy inside's like, did I hit anything? And you see his <laughs> arms and legs wiggling. And wiggling I was like, around. oh, That's great. there's I did people like that in there for no reason or creatures. Yeah. That's the Muppet touch. That's yes. like, these could have just been spiky cannonballs, but let's give them arms and legs. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's funnier. Like Gonzo would have been in one of them, you know? Exactly. Would Miss Piggy have been the Goblin King? Um, I guess she would have to, but that I gotta be honest, that's one of the few times when I'm like, that's a serious downgrade. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think it's a downgrade, but it's not as strong as... I don't think there's any human or puppet that could do this job better than Bowie does. I mean, I guess in Muppet movies, there are humans, so I guess David Bowie could feasibly yeah. stay at the Goblin King. Yeah, it would be better to me if Piggy was trying to save Kermit yeah, Piggy I like that. Colony, Kermit is the baby, and then uh-huh. like Fozzie and Gonzo become, and Sweetums become the big helpers or whatever. I, not that Sam I Eagle is the stepmom. For sure, yeah. Uh, anyway, the rocks attack. Uh, we get visible strings here in one shot, which I was really surprised by. It's unusual for a Muppet thing. Yeah, and th- earlier there's a, se- a moment where we get a very visible puppet rod, or hand yes. rod, on yeah, Tredidimus. Yeah. I think it's on the bridge, um, but I was like, oh. Yeah, hand rod it, it can be harder to get rid of, and so like I have, I'm less surprised by a hand rod. But this, the, there's one where it's like puppet strings that I was really surprised by. One mm. of the little spiky ball guys. Uh, so she dismisses the friends for the final fight, which is my least favorite trope in all the fiction. <laughs> it's like you needed them to get you here. Let them help you at the end too. Well, I think for me, I I I don't think she anticipates this being a fight. Like they yeah. fought to get here. She's like, he's not. The Goblin King hasn't fought me this entire time. Like, right. I don't think he's going to fight me here. Right. But let me give you an alternative. You walk into the MC Escher room, which, which she does. And instead of her doing 50, f- 45 minutes of running up these stairs, Ludo throws Sir Didymus at the baby and he just holds him. He's <laughs> like, he's not moving now. <laughs> he's not going to walk away. That seems like a pretty quickly solved problem is all That's I'm saying. fair. Uh, so we get into the MC Escher room. This is, is the very part- well done. It's super good, but this is the part where I'm like, him singing makes this worse. Like, it would be way cooler if it was him, like, moving his hands as if he was a conductor and he was moving the staircases around. Because, like, I wouldn't mind a few seconds, like, I think a few seconds of singing here and there. Like, not a lot, like, I'm talking 30 seconds max total. Yeah. Of, oh, the whole scene of singing. Right. But like a few like I've moved the stars for no one, and then like whoosh, 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 yeah, and yeah, then yeah. they move around more, like that kind of stuff. I would be fine with, but yeah, it doesn't have to be a full song. I do. Th- this does have one of my favorite shots in the whole movie, though, which is the one where he's walking underneath, uh-huh. swings up to the top, and his feet are just perfectly to keep striding as soon as he lands. And I, I was like, man, that's just super I duper. Know how they red. did it? Yeah, yeah. I assumed it was a reverse. But I really couldn't I couldn't figure it out by watching it, which I was impressed well, by. I thought it was a mannequin, but then I realized I don't know how they would have put Bowie in that perfect position. Right, right. Yeah, I do think they manipulated Bowie in a real space. But I, what I think it was is that he had his feet set and then they just gently pulled him backwards. Mm. And then he landed on a crash mat. That's fair. So it's like, okay, just like hold the position you're in and then they have a, you know, a line on his belt area and it's just like, okay, keep your legs locked and then they can pull them backward. Hmm. I think there is a behind the scenes of this movie. You'll have to look it up. Yeah, I don't know if that shot's in it, but I would be curious. If you do see it, let me know because I'd I'd like to watch that. Uh, I do also really like the great reverse shot of 
the orb is bouncing and it bounces up into Toby's hand, but it's very clearly like, like that. they got the baby to drop it and then composited the shots. I thought that was great. But this is the part. It's just like Bowie keeps singing and singing. And this is just like an okay-ish song. Like it's not my cup of Bowie tea. And so it's just like going on and on and on. And the kids like keeps walking away from her. I'm like, okay, like I get it. But like, can we just get to the end of the sequence, please? Yeah, like it's I'm, a little I'm long tired. Tooth. Yeah. She finally does this really big jump to get to Toby. And it is comical stunt double switches there are two different people it switches to in this jump like <laughs> i didn't catch that it's like one person does the jump and then another person does the fall oh huh. it, honest I I, it might not actually be true that it's two people but it looks like it looks like jennifer Connolly and two others <laughs> um so she lands and we meet flowy ethereal final form david bowie <laughs> he looks like um marley and marley from muppet christmas carol Oh, yeah, I'd give you that. I'd give you that for sure. Like, it looks like they're about to, like, remove his his bottom half, and he's uh-huh. going to be a floating Bowie. Yeah, yeah. And this is the big, they have, like, not a physical fight, because it would be ridiculous, but, and I'm honestly really glad that there is no physical fighting, because skinny waif weirdo David Bowie is not a physically imposing person. And no, I would be, God, no. Like, I don't want him doing force moves and pulling parts of the roof down on people. Like, none of that. That's not... He is a seductor who can either seduce you out of what... into what he wants, or he fails. But there is not a physical punchy part to this man. No. So he offers her the dreams and she's like, you have no power! It's Chekhov's You Have No Power Over Me. Because yeah, yeah. literally the first lines of the movie are her forgetting the le- the line. Because she's when she's LARPing in the park, yes. she forgets the line, you have no power over me. And then right. in the end, she forgets it and remembers it. Right, right. So that comes back. And then she's in her room and Toby has been returned. And we hear the parents being like, Sarah? Sarah, are you home? Well, I sure hope so. Because if she's not, something very bad has yeah, happened. That's what I was like, what do you mean, are you home? <laughs> yeah. Where like, else it, would she be? Yeah, it's like, if she left, she left the baby alone. Or something horrible happened to the baby and she's at the hospital. Or some horrible person has kidnapped both of them. But like, there's no good answer to, are you home? Just ask, yeah. where are you? Are you Are you up? Sarah, are yeah. you awake? Yeah, yeah. And so she sees the friends in the mirror and they're like in the room, but not really. They're in the mirror version of the room. And they're all saying like, well, should you need us? You know, call on us. And she's like, but I'll always need you. And then it's like, oh, good. And they turn around and there's 50 of these creatures. I love it so much because it's it's what we it's what should have happened at the end of uh, Return to Oz, where it's like where they're like, you don't tell anyone about us, you stupid bitch. (laughs) And this is like. Literal streamers from the ceiling. But the thing that this is missing, and I think it really needs, is the stodgy parents opening the door to say goodnight and doing a what face. See, I would have wanted it to open the door and it cuts to her alone on the bed. Like yeah. they all, they all Okay, to that's disappear. fine too. Yeah. Or she's just having a dance party by herself or something. Mm-hmm. Good night, mom and dad. And then the door shuts and then they're all pop out again. But yeah, it's it's a lovely, happy, positive, upbeat ending. Mom and dad could also play into the stepmom being like, oh, my God, she she called me mom. Oh, yeah, you're right. And that's Labyrinth. Yeah. So I and I enjoy this for the most part, I guess, final thoughts here. But like, I, I enjoy this for the most part. I do think it's a little draggy. And it's definitely I don't know that I've ever watched it in full again after that one time that I watched it. I definitely seen pieces of it. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. It's it's. I think the music is good. It just shouldn't be in this movie. But yeah. like the puppeteering is great. The script is tight. It's just a little too long. 
It's like 85% of something I would give an A to. So I guess it's a B, but it's like yeah, it's a B plus. It, yeah, yeah. It's it's right in that right in that ballpark to me. Not that we normally give letter grades, but I, I enjoy this. It's got some good moments. If you've never seen it before, I don't know that this is gonna win you over. I do feel this is one of those ones that it gets you as a youth and then like you know, like cigarettes and it hangs on. There there are Probably. people for whom Although my boyfriend has has not seen it because the one time we were we were talking with his uh, sister-in-law who loves David Bowie about mm-hmm. Labyrinth. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a fun one. And he was like, oh, that, that scared me. And I was like, that scared a lot of people. And he was sure. like, he was like, yeah, the thing with the eyes in the hands. And I was like, I'm sorry? And he was like, yeah, Labyrinth. And I was like, oh, oh that's Pan's Labyrinth. And he was like, <laughs> aren't they the same thing? And I was like, no. Oh, no. <laughs> you notice that one has two words and the Pan's other Labyrinth. just one. <laughs> Pan's Labyrinth has a man's face being turned into into pudding with a yes. beer bottle. Yeah, exactly. Labyrinth has David Bowie's codpiece. Yes, exactly. So I'm going to have is... to have him watch it and be like, "Does well, what do you feel? What do you feel? Yeah. I, I think there are people who have never seen this that would love it, but I don't know that this is ever going to have mass appeal. I guess is what I was driving at. Yeah, that's fair. But it's it's fun. Like I said, it was, it was a fun revisit. I hadn't seen this in a long time. I do think it's 10 minutes too long, which is basically my answer to almost every movie. I want mm-hmm. movies to be shorter. I want them to have uglier people. <laughs> and I want them to be made by more diverse Give me some forces. uggos and give, yeah. <laughs> give me uggos for less time. Yes. Less time, more uggos, and a wider array of voices behind the scenes. I want more diversity of all styles, all all forms of it behind the camera making stories. That's what that was. That's what I want. Tight nineties with Uggos <laughs> <laughs> made by people who aren't me. That's what I would like to say. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, it's fun. I mean, David Bowie is not a good actor, but is literally the only person who could do this good. At well, this I job. think they had. So the other people they were considering were exactly the case. Like it was Prince Mick Jagger. And yeah. then another, I don't remember who the third artist was but it was another like david bowie prince like someone in that like glam rock yeah wheelhouse yeah and they picked the right person like yeah. better than and i like both those other dudes but this is way better because it's bowie and it's mm-hmm. this weird sexual grace jones wizard. i honestly wouldn't have been mad okay at they, grace, if they jones. Had tapped grace jones to be the goblin queen yeah i think though i and i have not heard grace jones speak enough to to know this because she doesn't talk at all in that bond movie we did right no, she's got a British accent. She's kind of okay, it's okay. she's like sort of that like down and dirty. She okay, uh, okay. shucking oysters. Okay, okay. Cuz D- Bowie is like this weird voice. Like his speaking voice is an odd He's transatlantic tone. still. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I I do think that this is a perfect casting and I I will say like she doesn't get asked to do a lot and there's some there's some strange lines that I know a lot of people like. They, at one point when she starts the labyrinth Jennifer Connelly's like, "Well, come on, feet." It's <laughs> like just yep. very weird stuff, which is not on her. It's the script for a 16 year old to be carrying this movie against sexual wizard dynamo. David Bowie is impressive. <laughs> like it, it's it, it's, it's impressive. It's, it's she's a 16 year old girl. Her her opposite cast is all puppets except for like three sequences with Bowie and the one sequence with the parents. So the fact that this movie is watchable is kind of a miracle. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a big job. It's a lot to it, do. It, for it is. For any actor, let alone a 16-year-old who's in, like, her first five projects. I don't know if this is her first movie or it's not. It's early on in her career. Yeah. So, But it's a 16-year-old playing a 16-year-old. Yeah, which is a miracle, in fact, uh, of Hollywood. A miracle. Um, but yeah, I, it's, it's a fun movie. It's, there's way worse ways to spend 100 minutes. But uh, I, I think if you are on the fence, just listen to Dance Magic. Maybe watch the sequence, and you'll probably yeah. get, you'll get enough to, to satisfy. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't yet, head over to patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s. We just posted a bonus episode there for this month. It's Frog Dreaming, uh, aka The Quest, which is the bonus listener request month pick. So uh, Patreon folks get an extra listener request month. We are halfway to, we're at like just under 80 bucks. If we get to 150 a month, we're going to do a bonus episode every single month. So that's 50% more dissecting the 80s in your ears. So check that out. It's patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s. We'd love to see if you have the ability to help uh, join the club there. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter. It's at dissect the 80s. And uh, on Facebook, it's dissecting the 80s. We'd love to hear from you on any of those spots. You can always email us at dissecting the 80s at gmail.com. We will be back in two weeks on the 28th of June with a another Danny DeVito feature that I'm very excited to jump and into. And Midler. How dare and- you? Okay, well, he directed it, didn't he? No, Danny DeVito didn't. I don't, th- I don't think he directed this one. Okay, I thought Ruthless People he directed, which is why I said it was a Danny DeVito. No, oh, this he's is... in it, but I don't That's think he directed right. it. This is uh, Zucker Abrams. This is the Zucker Brothers and, and Abrams. So uh, I apologize. So we've got Danny DeVito and Bette Midler and, of course, regular appear on the show, uh, Judge Reinhold. And uh, apparently Bill bill pullman in his film debut so first first time with mr president bill pullman uh we're doing ruthless people in two weeks so thank you uh so much for listening to the show i have been trip lano i will always be andrew lano until next time don't you forget about me dissecting the 80s is a chum some of this production